Events can spice up your business development, but without the right event marketing, you could end up with an empty room and a lot of extra food that goes on with your employees. So how do you go from writhing in agony to thriving and rocking the house? Well, my next guest, entertainment event producer Louis Lavella, has some suggestions. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner, giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Louis Lavella delivers high profit solutions to live entertainment events, musicians, and venues working in the nightlife and music industry. For more than 20 years, Louis has worked in the entertainment industry with entertainment personalities, nightclubs, concerts, and festivals, creating brand and marketing strategies to connect entertainers with their audience and create engagement. He's an author, speaker, event producer, and coach, having produced and marketed over 30 live music concerts in the last 24 months alone. And in 2012, he won the Niagara Music Awards Promoter of the Year Award. Louis also has experience in TV as an executive producer and host. Some of the folks that he's interviewed during his television days include Lady Gaga, Richard Branson, and the Backstreet Boys. So I'm very jazzed to have him here and can't wait to hear how to use some of his star-powered strategies to boost our everyday Main Street businesses. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Louis. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be on the show today. It's really exciting. Thank you, Hannah. Well, it's great to have you. You know, we live in such a celebrity-driven culture, and I'm fascinated by the idea of what we can learn from you about the marketing and promotion that goes into creating these glitzy, glamorous events to see what's transferable to growing businesses, smaller businesses, that can help them create the right kind of buzz and have more successful events that grow their bottom line. So let's talk about events. Where do you start in building an event marketing strategy? Absolutely. So, I mean, so many different businesses can make use of events in the growth of their business and in the marketing and branding of their business. So, you know, I've done some major festivals, 30,000 people coming through in a day. And I've also done some smaller events, you know, working with uh, small businesses where you have 20, 30 people in a room and you want to try and deliver some great content, some information, and perhaps get some clients out of that. So I've, I've been through the small and the large spectrum. The funny thing is I can start to see similarities as to when I'm using obviously higher budgets for the large-scale events, but the same blueprint and the same tactics and the same strategies can apply to that small event as well. So it's kind of neat when I'm jumping on podcasts like this and, and getting emails and asking questions on I'm a real estate agent or I'm a ma-and-pa flower shop and you know, I want to run an event. Uh, how, how can I make it as exciting and jazzed up and celebrity style as possible without spending all the large dollars or actually booking, you know, the Lady Gaga's to come out and actually be there? When you know what your business is and who you are, what your why is and, and how you speak, it becomes a lot easier to create an event around that. So what I mean by that is now with the age of social media, we've heard this many times, this, the same sentence, everybody is, is, is you know, a media broadcast uh, kind of personality. Whether you have a business or not, you're posting on social media quite a bit. The thing with a business person or an actual business is a lot of people forget to kind of fine-tune what their voice is and what their message is. Once you can sit back and say, what is going to be my voice? You know, how am I going to post and how am I going to 
actually um, uh, portray what my brand is going to be, everything around that becomes a lot easier. So when I'm working with musicians or festivals, I make sure we sit down and have some good meetings on how are we going to engage with customers? What is our actual voice? Just because we're a large-scale concert and we have you know, A-list celebrity musicians at the place, there's also competition that can take away from that if they book the same people next year or the same caliber. So we need to create a voice. So the same thing applies to a small business or an entrepreneur as well. When you want to create that event, what is it that you're trying to portray? So if it's an open house, you know, you, it's, it's not just the thing to have cookies and balloons and things like that, but when you're building yourself as a brand, people want to be attached to you. People are creatures of habit, and and they want to be attached to some sort of celebrity status, no matter how big it is. And with social media and digital marketing, there's an opportunity to create that, even on a smaller scale, and then start to make your event really powerful. All right, Louie. But I I can hear some people saying in their head, yeah, well, you know, I'm not Lady Gaga, and um, maybe I'm a little boring. And how are we going to jazz this up? You know, how I mean – how do you amp it up? Absolutely. And, and again, if we're talking just the strictly the event, it always comes down to experience. I know people are buying experience more than product, a lot more than they used to do. So if you're having a flower shop grand opening or an open house, or you're going to have an event and have 20 people in the room and make sure that they're going to get the right content so they might buy a product or, or join you as a financial planner, whatever it is, the experience is going to be key. So, again, if I'm going to use the example of a celebrity, just when they put out a tweet, if you're responding to them and they like your tweet, you feel extra special. So your mission to jazz up your event is to make sure their experience is overwhelming with you and them connecting, if that makes sense. You know, yes, we, we could talk about the, the tactics of creating a, a great event with nice production and lights and screens and things like that. Absolutely. But a lot of people can do that. And that can cost money. So if you put the dollars to it, you can create a very visually appealing event, you know, whatever you want, you know, a band, dancers, uh, you could go all out, balloons and, and, and uh, a petting zoo, whatever you want. But that's just dollars, and that's creating the jazz of that thing. But if you want to get to the core of what's going to make you extremely successful, it's always that engagement with you and each customer. So whether it's an open house or whether you're a financial planner having an event, if you can pre kind of lay the path on social media by connecting with as many people as possible, when they get there, they look at you as a little celebrity status. So be the expert in the area. So similarly, you know, when we're creating a festival, I make sure that our social media team is connecting with every customer possible, whether it's negative or positive, we have to make sure we're always connecting with them so that there's a brand voice. If something happens that that's negative, you know, most of them get our backs. So that's got to be a similar strategy you want to use when you're creating a smaller scale event. You know, yes, you're going to jazz things up with, depending on what we're doing. So this is a wide scale answer. You could do the balloons, you could do cookies, you can do, you know, a band, things like that. But when it comes to the core, if you know your voice, you're going to be creating a large connection with each individual person as much as you can. Of course, on social media, you could have thousands of followers. But every time you make a small connection, it just adds to that little bit of power and that little bit of celebrity status. When they get to the event and you talk to everybody and, and you're giving that vibe that you are an expert in your field and you're an authority, they listen. They get excited. You're saying hi to them. You're giving them information. They're, they're sucking it in or you're showing them the house. You're the expert real estate agent, that kind of idea. It really translates well. Interesting. 
Well, how far in advance should somebody start promoting? Well, depending on the size of the event, I'd like to make sure you give yourself a month at least. I mean, because you want to sit down and think about, again, who's going to be my audience? If we're talking about a flower shop, like, is it going to be Mother's Day coming up? Or is it just a generic grand opening, re-grand opening, that kind of idea? You want to sit back, take the time to write some notes on, okay, I, re- I know who my voice is. You know, I'm, I'm a mom-pop, friendly environment. Now, who's my audience? So that you can plan things out. Then you can go out and do your print ads or your radio or your social media, which is absolutely a great way to market any event, uh, definitely. Some of my clients, we are 100% digital and social media marketing. We don't do any print and any radio, any flyers, anything like that, and it works really well. So I would definitely give yourself a month. I have a lot of clients that come to me saying, we have a big show next week. <laughs> you know, oh, wow. We sell it out. And, you know, it's it's – it's hard because there's so much noise out there, as we all know, with all the different, you know, even when you're watching television, not only are there commercials, but then there's little, what, what I like to call banner ad commercials now in the TV show as well. Plus, we're on social media during the commercials and all day long, and there's so many different platforms. There is a lot of noise. So there's nothing wrong with really knowing where your audience is and then advertising. You know, a lot of people complained about Facebook organic reach is gone and that's not fair well i always like to use the example if you're in a networking room and there's only four of you in there that's like four people liking your page and it's easy to talk to them all of a sudden social media got really big and everybody liked a couple hundred pages or a thousand pages imagine that room has a thousand people in it now and you're sitting at one corner trying to talk to everybody if you pay for that megaphone that's like boosting your post to everybody and it works it just got bigger and noisier and that's just what happened right Facebook has continually adjusted their algorithms, you know, not only to make sure that people who pay get in front, but we also don't see ads constantly or we would leave Facebook and it would be like MySpace. So that's, that's a worry they have, right? They want to make sure the consumer and the user has a nice experience, right? right. But with that said, you know, those, to- those tools are fantastic. You know, targeting is unbelievable. You know, it's much more expensive than traditional ways of, of spending money. So if that's where your audience is, absolutely go down that road. What about frequency? Because, I mean, it's one thing to start a month out or if you have more time to, to do it even sooner than that. But how much repetition and frequency do you recommend? I think every audience is going to slightly differ. But I do agree with the statement of frequency. You know, we've seen memes and we've seen articles and things like that. on Nowadays, to make a sale, you need 8 to 12 touches, right? And I think it's the same thing when you're trying to promote an event or even yourself as a brand or your business as a brand, you want to be in front of them a lot. So if we're talking about events, you want to give yourself a month. I like being in, in their news feed, whether it's Instagram and Facebook or, or follow them around uh, on Google, you know, banner ads as, as they hit different websites. I'd like to be in their face, and at least they, they see it at least once a day. I know there's a wide audience, so it would take a chunk of money to hit them all every day, so that will rotate. If you can touch them at least once a day throughout uh, that month, I think that's important. The nice thing, though, is when you're doing that, you want to keep an eye on your frequency so that you can slightly change maybe the image or the message so it doesn't burn out. If you have the same, let's say, flyer, you know, advertisement, and it's always coming up in social media or on Google, they may burn out and start to get desensitized to it and then glaze over it, right? Again, there's a lot of noise out there. So another cool thing that you want to take uh, into account, especially with digital being so easy, is changing your message slightly 
so that it's a little bit fresh, a little, you know, a little slight way of saying the same thing. And at least when they do see it again after, you know, eight or 10 times, they're all of a sudden going to have a refreshed look on it and they're going to pay attention again. Attention is, is massive right now and it's hard to get, right? So we want to keep a close eye on that. So, you know, with celebrities, you, you, you know, you see them getting into beefs and being on TMZ all the time with these wacky things happening. You know, that is one way they get some attention and keep them in the news, especially when nothing's going on. It, it's that same old formula and they're, they're sort of used to it happening. You know, of course, a lot of them don't like the privacy being breached, but that is what they got into being a celebrity. So not to say that you have to do anything controversial to get in their face, but you do have to think about why a celebrity gets gets into these scenarios or why they're sort of okay with the paparazzi being around. And that's just the way the world is in their world because they need to be in the news. There's a ton of celebrities. There's a lot of things going on. They need to keep on top of things, sometimes negative, but that old saying of, you know, uh, negative publicity, still publicity, that sort of holds true sometimes. You know what I mean? Not that we want to have negative publicity, but we also want to take that same formula of how do we stay in front of somebody, but also be fresh so that they don't just burn out and forget about us. All right. So let's say you've got a small business that's on the rise in a particular community and they want to be able to stay in front of some people. What are some recommendations that would allow them to do that? I mean, we've talked about social media but are there, are there any other ways? I mean, they don't have the budget for a TMZ type of um, <laughs> communication or to hire the PR firm to do something like that. So what, what other options are there? Absolutely. And I really do think social media and maybe the Internet's the great equalizer, I like to call it, where you don't need to spend the big dollars to be in front of people or at least get out into your community, especially when you're talking about just a community. You know, you don't have to be a worldwide brand as you're up and coming and you're starting to grow like you just mentioned. So if, if you have a city and, you know, that's where your business is situated and that's where all your business would come in, it doesn't take a lot of money to use, like you just mentioned, social media to make sure you're, you're in front of them. So as we're building, for example, a Facebook page, you may start fresh and you have only 10 likes or 100 likes or 1,000 likes and it's not massive. And you also know the organic reach isn't that great. But there's nothing wrong with using the tools like the Facebook ad system, uh, which also connects with Instagram, and, you know, boost your posts and your messages to your exact target. So a lot of people may know already and some may not. You can select where you want your post to be advertised to. So if somebody is having a birthday this week and they're 35 and they like coffee and that's, you're a coffee shop, you can show a message just to them in their news feed. Happy birthday. Come in for a free coffee on us. That kind of idea. There's so many great targeting tools to use on social media that don't cost a lot of money. I've done wonders with the 5 and $10 a day idea as opposed to traditional media where we had to spend you know, thousands of dollars on radio and television or print just to make sure we're out there because the medium was a little bit more expensive. Nowadays, you can really target, not waste your dollars or your pennies on showing it to the person who doesn't care. You know, again, a coffee shop, someone who hates coffee, you're not going to show it to them. It's a wasted penny to you or a wasted dollar. So these, these strategies and these tactics work really well. And you don't have to use the big budgets or get into something controversial and, and have a TMZ show up at your door kind of idea. And on a grassroots level, being extremely big on customer service starts to grow the uh, word of mouth. So when somebody comes into your store or if, if you're a financial planner or you know, a, a consultant, and you're giving the best possible service, you know, this is no secret, 
people will love and recommend you. Same with real estate agents. You know, they work on referrals a lot because they do such a great job and the customer service is there and people refer. This person is an expert and they were amazing. So while we can spend some good money on social media and digital to make sure we use that as a nice tool, we've got to make sure the product is good as well. So for a musician, if their music is terrible, they may not grow as fast or if at all, no matter how much money a label puts behind them, right? Or if they're just terrible people and they're always in the negative spotlight, people will just fall out. Now, again, there's an audience for everything. So you put enough money behind something, I'm sure they'll sell some sales, but they're not going to do the 100 million sales that another artist would do. Similarly to a small business, if your product is good and you have great customer service, that is the key. And then, of course, you can use these tactics, like you just mentioned, using social media. And like I mentioned, advertising that, you can do some great, some great stuff with that strategy. All right. Now, let's say I've got an event coming up. It's not in a month. It's not next week. Let's say it's in six weeks or eight weeks out. What Fantastic. would a plan look like? What are the key building blocks? We talked about social media, but just in terms of making sure this comes together. Absolutely. So let's separate from the marketing side for, for an example right, or, or for a second right now. We know some of the tactics we might use. We're going to use our list, build a list, partner up with other joint ventures that may help sell tickets. But let's go to the, the producing the event side now. You know, if you're going to have it in a hotel or, or let's, let's say it's, it's a small or medium-sized event, you want to make sure you have your logistics covered. Do you need insurance for, those, for this event? Well, the hotel will let you know that you need an insurance for the event in case something goes wrong, you're also covered. You want to make sure that the, you know, whether it's a hotel or whatever venue it is, you know, are you going to have food involved, drinks? You need to look over a menu, yeah, especially if it's a business event. Some people offer coffee and muffins in the morning and maybe a lunch in the afternoon, which is great. You want to make sure that you have the menu taken care of and the price negotiated. You want to make sure that the seating arrangement is, is proper to what your presentation will be. So if, again, you're presenting something as a real estate agent, financial planner, a coach, do you want it in, in a school-style setting where they have you know, long tables and a seat, or is it just going to be seating? So you want to look at those little logistics. How about the staging and, and audio? Do you need speakers? and a microphone. Is that something the hotel or the venue can accommodate or do you need to go rent that? So, you know, and, and that's a smaller, medium-sized undertaking. And these are just a couple of things off the top of my head that you need to start looking at, you know, making sure what are the deposits? What if you don't sell enough tickets? Is there a cancellation? Do you want to cancel? Is that bad for your brand if only five people show up but you still go through with it? That may still be a good idea. Or is that a bad idea for your brand because five people showed up? You know what I mean? So these are things you want to make sure you have in your head and, and start to chip away when you have that eight weeks in advance. Those are some logistics that you want to make sure are taken care of, thought of, or you have some people helping you out to take care of those things. If it's a larger scale event, do you need some security to help? People at the front door to take in tickets and, and kind of usher them to the right spot. There's a lot of logistics that, you know, people will come to me saying, I'm doing a business event. I want to have a thousand people. I'm going to hire a big speaker to attract them. Cool. But there's a lot of logistics now to think about behind the scenes. Who's going to pick up the speaker from the airport? And do they need a green room with their own food, right? So, you know, and, and that's a little larger scale than the normal entrepreneur. But when I run my smaller events with 20 to 50 people, you know, we still have to look at that same blueprint of what has to be done and checked off so I don't forget. Do you know what I mean? Because you'd hate for the experience to falter because we're rushing into cool, I'll just book the hotel room, they'll throw the seats and water together, and I'll just show up. You know, exactly. Things always happen. They always happen, so you have to be ready. 
And it's okay when things happen, just as long as you can quickly think about a solution. And, you know, and again, you've pre-built your brand, your fans or your people coming in, have your back of something, you know, let's say the room wasn't open for an hour and it's the hotel's fault. You know, you don't just want to point blame, but you want to have a brand that they can kind of side with and be okay with and, but you got to think quick. What do you do? You know, do you talk to them in the lobby for a while? You have a little breakout session. You know, you have to be quick and know that things will happen, and hopefully not on a, on a scale to actually you know take a big chunk out of the event. But with eight weeks in advance, you want to start looking through and discussing things with your venue, making sure everything's lined up properly. Well, let me ask you this: Would a longer time frame be better for something like that? Do these need to be planned a year ahead of time, six months ahead of time? I mean, what what what's the sweet spot? Um, my answer to that, I think, depends on the size of the event. My festivals that have thirty thousand people, we literally have a month off and start planning for the next year. So that is such a large undertaking. You know, where do the porta potties go this fencing grade is different you know there's so much involved we do give ourselves a large amount of time for that i would say you know eight weeks um 12 weeks is a great amount of time to to promote a very small event i think marketing wise eight weeks out maybe 12 max because there's so many things going on they just will start to forget about it but you may want to plan a few months in advance if you think there's a lot going on and you just want to have a handle on things Let's not forget venues book up. So if you're going to book a, a banquet hall, a hotel, conference area, there's weddings that could get in the way of dates, things like that. So that in itself may cause you to plan a year in advance in the lighter sense, but you may not actually plan heavily until you know a few months out. What if you're selling tables or booths? You may need some good leeway to actually go out and contact potential sponsors and, and uh, vendors that kind of idea because they may have budgets that they need to adhere to and timelines. So calling them four weeks out, even though, Oh, it's easy. I'm going to do this at a restaurant at, at their private spot, you know, their room. I really don't have to do anything. They're going to take care of it all. I'm going to do this in four weeks. But what if you can't get a sponsor because you know, their budgets are spent or they don't have enough time to get the staff to put a, a booth out front, that kind of idea. So depending on the event is kind of where that line will move. But I would say, Again, you want to think about your event. Who else has to get involved? Is it sponsors, tables, menus, things like that? And when do you think those guys need to come into play? If you only give yourself four weeks, but a sponsor would be six months, you have to plan six, you know, at least start that side of the planning six months in advance, right? Right, right. It's all about project management, really, at that point. Absolutely. Very good, very good. But I, I like the way it keeps coming back to what is the user's experience going to be like and how that ties Absolutely, into your yeah. brand? You're right. And, and it, it comes down to, again, if, if, if the customer, the user, you know, um, the potential client has a great experience, that in itself will just uh, trump even things that go wrong, right? Uh, you know, again, when we talk about a celebrity that does something wrong, they end up on TMZ, they still have their raving fans that will go to the back no matter what. We can look at the... Uh, the presidential race right now, there's two sides that have very large raving fans on each. And as much as one side thinks the other side's crazy to vote for them, they have their raving fans and they can do no wrong. No matter if somebody on the outside says, wow, they're both awesome or they both are very wrong, they will have, they will have their raving fans. And, it, and that comes down to their own experience with, with their following, right? So when we talk about a small business or an entrepreneur, when you're giving the right experience in an event, or even just yourself as a brand, the way you interact with them on the phone, the way you give 
your service or your product to a potential customer or the way you, you just built your brand on social media and interact with them there, your email, things like that. You have to create those raving fans so they really do have your back. You know, not that you can do no wrong idea, but you want to get close to that where you can say sorry if something happened and it's okay for them. Do you know what I mean? Make them like family where uh, right. they'll well, love you no matter what. Because people recognize you're human and that's just showing that side to say, look, okay, I messed up. But I think it's important to recognize when you mess up that you own up to it and say, okay, I did. Forgive me. I, I made a mistake. I apologize. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And even when I have clients that have negative reviews, you know, let's say their uh, bartenders, you know, were too slow or, or a festival had a big problem with their credit card system, whatever it is, I always say, listen, we're not deleting those. If you want to see something that's hateful, racist, things like that, yes, we need to clean that up. But if it's a negative review, that's also feedback. And other people, first of all, you can't hide it because if you delete it on your page, they have no problem saying it on their own profile and their Twitter account. And how are you going to delete that? Now it's out there, right? So once you delete it, they're going to say, oh, and they deleted it to hide it, right? So right, that's not going to work. Right. You, made you it want worse. to hit it head on. You do make it worse. Yeah. You want to hit it head on. And you also want to make sure that everyone else sees you owning up to it. You know, you don't have to maybe discuss everything publicly. You could say, we're so sorry. We can't believe this happened. We feel free, blah, blah, blah. Let's take this offline a bit. Why don't you private message us? And so other people can see, wow, this person had a small problem and it was hopefully taken care of. You know, sometimes the customer just refuses to take any solution as an answer, but that should be offline if you can. And at least the optics of the other customers see that, you know, you own up to, to it, right. you know, and right. not everybody's going to be happy with everything. And, and most of them will say, well, this guy's complaining for no reason. He's being un, un, you know, <laughs> unrealistic, but they at least put it, you know, head on and they're trying to make them happy. And that's great. Absolutely. Uh, take it head on any negative feedback you have to nowadays, right? Yeah, absolutely. Address it. Maybe if you can fix it, fine. If it's past the point of being fixed, that's another thing, but at least own it. And, and like you said, being able to, to move on. Louis, what, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen people make with event planning that they need to look out for? Uh, like we mentioned earlier, not planning far enough ahead is a huge mistake. I, I've seen people think it's very easy to put on an event maybe go through a couple of blog articles and a book and, you know, you talk to a venue and they have a lot of it handled sometimes. And then you go to a hotel, they're, they're used to doing mini conferences, things like that. Sure. They'll put the seats up, get the menu for you, which is really good. But then the actual event planner can miss a lot of things. Like I said, maybe they didn't read that they needed insurance and insurance may cost just a few hundred dollars or a hundred dollars. And all of a sudden comes the day of, and they're like, okay, um, we're going to cash your check. Where's your insurance certificate? And you're like, what insurance? You know what I mean? And well, even, even worse than that. I mean, I know a, a speaker who's actually pretty famous right now. And when he first started out speaking, he had an event at a hotel. And one of the people that were attending the event had some horrible accident and he didn't have insurance. They wound oh. up suing him personally and he wound up filing yeah. bankruptcy. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you can overinsure everything, but there's a lot of times where it's important to have and, you know, comparing to the possible disaster, like you just mentioned, that could happen, yeah. it's well worth having, you know, yeah. um, de definitely keep an eye on things. You know, and having backup plans is great, too. I, I had a music event where it landed on a holiday, so nothing was open, and the venue was supposed to provide, you know, the drum kit and the guitars, things like that, for the band to come in, and they had no drum kit there. So Oops. the manager came to me saying, 
you know, who's in charge of the event? And I said, well, technically I'm the, the lead event manager, but you know, my agreement was the venue had signed off on taking care of the, what they call the back line, which is the instrument. But I can't point fingers because the venue was like, Hey, this is your event, your problem, which was awful. But the event was supposed to be going off in a few hours. So never mind arguing at this point. It's time to find a drum kit. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah, sure. Nothing rental-wise was open. So, you know, we had to scramble a little bit and, and add musician fans that were helping out. And somebody happened to be in a band and brought the drum kit over. But it was a few hours of this is going to be a disaster if they don't go on. And we have this massive holiday event with 3,000 tickets sold, <laughs> right? And I wasn't going to go up and say, sorry, guys. The owner forgot the drum kit because that'll make everybody look bad anyways. And so anyways, you have to think very quick, but also have those mini backup, you know, relationships and plans together. You definitely don't want to get into a situation, like you mentioned, not having the insurances and getting sued or, or not being able to think fast on your feet when these little disasters happen. You know, and the last thing that I see a lot of people do with events is just throwing an event. You know, there's nothing. There's, I always ask, and what? Like, okay, we're going to have an event, we're going to have balloons, it's going to be great, we're going to give away some free flowers. And I keep saying, and, and trying to dig as deep as possible. Like, what makes you different than the next event or the more exciting event? Sometimes you can dig deep enough that you find the why that really makes people come out. You know what I mean? And, and really dig. Some people just blindly throw it together and think, well, we're just going to give away free pizza all day. It's only going to work in a shallow you know, environment, right? It's not really like, what is it that the event's going to be? Is it a grand opening for your pizza place? Is it maybe you're going to have people come and watch you make the pizzas? Like, let's add to that. Let's not do the generic stuff that everybody else might think of. A lot of people glaze over that. It doesn't become as strong as possible. Well, and that's where the pizzazz is. That's where the sizzle is. Absolutely. And then, and then when you can connect with the customers that come in and add some of the sizzle, like these little out-of-the-box ideas, People talk about it. And don't forget, like we mentioned, everybody's a little media company. They all have their phones in their hand as well. There's nothing wrong with them taking pictures and helping to promote for you. But you got to give them something to, to, to talk about, really. If it's just the same old, you're going to get a couple of people saying, yeah, I got a free slice of pizza. That's worth a couple of dollars. But if you're doing something, you have some sort of like flipping in the air, or you're making, having other people make pizza for you that day, whatever it is, or a celebrity there there's some reason for them to take out their phone and actually take a picture or a Snapchat or, you know, do a live, whatever it is. You have all these little sub promoters working for you for free, right? Because you gave them something. Right. Well, it's like that music lyric. Let's give them something to talk about. So hundred <laughs> percent, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it works and it's really helpful. We're just about running out of time here, Louie. And I'm curious because you have an interesting career path here because this is not your typical marketing path as most people would envision it. How did you get into this? I, um, I've always been you know, fascinated with the entertainment industry as a young child. I was dabbling in and out at a little bit of film and TV and some modeling here and there. Um, I did get into the nightlife scene late high school, early college days just as your basic promoter, your flyer guy. And that wasn't really for me. I, I wanted to be in charge, <laughs> right? Or I wanted to make my vision come out. So I quickly kind of moved, moved out, of, out of that sort of promoter kind of range and started to create my own events. At the same time, when I was finishing uh, uh, college, I got into the, a corporate environment with marketing, which was great because I was used to kind of doing some of this networking, being in the nightlife scene. But I always had the nightlife and the music scene as a side job. When 9-11 kind of came, some of my clients were, were, uh, were, were 
kind of closing down. So as a marketing person, I uh, decided time to leave, but I didn't want to hand out a resume again. That was from there on in, I was going to stick to the music entertainment industry and just hustle through. And, you know, I'm always a, a great self-learner in the industry. I read a ton of books and magazines, um, you know, ch- trying to grow my craft, but also me as a person, as a brand, as a marketing guy. I like studying user behaviors. And because of that, I was able to kind of grow in the industry. It's a shark-infested waters of an industry. You know, it's, it's definitely, um, like everyone says, entertainment is it, tough. But it, to me, as long, as long as you kind of know your life design and where you want to go, you can navigate through that. So I got into television uh, as the side of, of continuing to grow music marketing and concerts. And because of that, being able to interview the Lady Gaga's, I actually gave her her first TV interview ever. You know, the Richard Branson's, you, you start to forge relationships as well. And it allowed me, allowed me to use that and, again, step up even further. Anything that I did, whether it was great money-wise or not great money-wise, it always became some sort of opportunity. And that's really important for every business. See everything as an opportunity. Sometimes a deal that's not the best, it's still a stepping stone somehow. If you can see that and you have that kind of um, mentality, you can start to grow. Very good. Any parting thoughts for our listeners as they get geared up for planning events and making things sparkle? Absolutely. I, I really want everybody out there to kind of just stop and think about what their event is going to be and think about that, that the customer, whether it's a child or whether it's a young adult, whether it's an older person, whatever it is, think about how, if that was you, what you would like to see and how just the little things might equal something really large. And it could just be getting out there and shaking hands, you know, with everybody. And the owner came out and shook hands with it. You know, whatever it is, it doesn't have to always be an extravagant looking event with this big production and this, you know, 40 foot screens. And, and, and yes, you can do that. And that's a great wow factor. But I've also seen great wow factors fail because they're missing that core connection with the customer. Always remember that's going to be key. And that's what celebrities do as well. They try to make connections with as many as they can. Even if, you know, as a celebrity, you can't always talk to every one person. But you can, you can tell when they're doing their tweets and their posts, they're trying to talk to an individual person but by posting in a, in a large, wide-scale way, if that makes sense. And it's right. because they know their brand, their brand voice and how to connect, right? And that's really important. So I would make sure that everybody listening, you know, that you take that as a big golden nugget. If you can figure out exactly how to connect with each customer, it doesn't always have to be we have a thousand people have to shake a thousand hands, but just the way you say it, the way you're posting, you know, that little tiny piece of experience that they're going to take away and say this is the best person ever. That's what's going to make any of your events and and your business flourish. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Louie. This has been fun. It's been interesting. And it's a different slant on marketing and especially focused on events, which people do from time to time or want to do more of, but just don't know enough about it. So appreciate your work, your contributions, and for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been really fun, and I appreciate everybody taking the time to, uh, to listen. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you for joining me today. You can get more information about today's guest and the show notes on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. And connect with me on social media. I'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more business information and inside scoop you need to succeed in your business. Till then, 